the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. Thanks for being there tonight for the Bible Live broadcast, everyone. Appreciate you joining with us. We are ready to get once more into the Book of Books. And what a great time of the year to be doing that. It just seems like yesterday we were greeting you and talking about Christmas of last year, and all of a sudden now we are ready to start a brand new year. Tonight we're going to continue our way through the Gospel of Matthew. We'll pick up with some parables that Jesus told parable of the yeast, parable of the weeds. Of course, there's the famous parable of the four types of soil. The important question is, which one of those soils represent your heart? First, let's go to our Wisdom and Worship segment from the Psalms tonight. Psalm 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my plea. Answer me, because you are faithful and righteous. Don't bring your servant to trial. Compared to you, no one is perfect. My enemy has chased me. He has knocked me to the ground. He forces me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I am losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. I remember the days of old. I ponder all your great works. I think about what you have done. I reach out for you. I thirst for you as parched land thirsts for rain. Come quickly, Lord, and answer me, for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me, or I will die. Let me hear of your unfailing love to me in the morning, for I am trusting you. Show me where to walk, for I have come to you in prayer. Save me from my enemies, Lord. I run to you to hide me. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious Spirit lead me forward on a firm footing. For the glory of your name, O Lord, save me. In your righteousness, bring me out of this distress. In your unfailing love, cut off all my enemies and destroy all my foes. For I am your servant. 
End of reading Psalm 143. Listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. This is what it means to be held, how it feels when the sacred is unsurvived, and you survive. This is what it means to be loved and to know that the struggle was This is what it means to be held in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our difficulties, our fears. God is there. We must not lose hope. Even as the Psalm of David said tonight, I'm losing all hope. I am paralyzed with fear. Then he says, I ponder all your great works and think about what you have done. I lift my hands to you in prayer. And quickly, Lord, you come to answer me. Don't turn away. Let me say these holiday seasons are not the easiest in the world for everyone. I know several families that are spending their first Christmas apart, separated from a loved one. We all have friends and neighbors that have young men and women standing in harm's way, stationed around the world, serving with our United States military. This season is often quite difficult, and if that is your situation, let it be known, too, that this is a great season for comfort. Peace be to all men, men of goodwill, those whose hearts are open to the Lord. He has come to bring peace and contentment into our lives. When Jesus came, when the Messiah was born, although we celebrate now as a wonderful time of victory and of joy, for the people who lived there, it was a difficult time. It was tough. Jesus was a problem. Mary having to think about explaining how she was pregnant without having been sexually impure or unfaithful to her husband, Joseph. And for Joseph, what a tremendous problem it was for him. And for their neighbors, the people in in Nazareth, what a trial and a test of their faith and their understanding this was. And for Herod, of course, and the leadership of the country, Jesus was a problem. And he's a problem for you until you make up your mind to acknowledge him as your king and receive him as your savior. Let's start our reading tonight on the Bible Live from the book of Matthew, chapter 13, with the parable of the four soils. Matthew 13:1 through 15:39 Matthew 13 Later that same day Jesus left the house and went down to the shore where an immense crowd soon gathered He got into a boat where he sat and taught as the people listened on the shore He told many stories such as this one A farmer went out to plant some seed as he scattered it across his field some seeds fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate them Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock The plants sprang up quickly, but they soon wilted beneath the hot sun and died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. Other seeds fell among thorns that shut up and choked out the tender blades. But some seeds fell on fertile soil and produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. His disciples came and asked him, Why do you always tell stories when you talk to the people? Then he explained to them, You have been permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others have not. To those who are open to my teaching, more understanding will be given, and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But to those who are not listening, even what they have will be taken away from them. 
That is why I tell these stories. Because people see what I do, but they don't really see. They hear what I say, but they don't really hear. And they don't understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah, which says, You will hear my words, but you will not understand. You will see what I do, but you will not perceive its meaning. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes. So their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. I assure you, many prophets and godly people have longed to see and hear what you have seen and heard, but they could not. Now here is the explanation of the story I told about the farmer sowing grain. The seed that fell on the hard path represents those who hear the good news about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches the seed away from their hearts. The rocky soil represents those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But like young plants in such soil, their roots don't go very deep. At first they get along fine, but they wilt as soon as they have problems or are persecuted because they believe the word. The thorny ground represents those who hear and accept the good news. But all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares of this life and the lure of wealth, so no crop is produced. The good soil represents the hearts of those who truly accept God's message and produce a huge harvest, 30, 60, or even a 100 times as much as had been planted. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Here is another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night as everyone slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's servants came and told him, Sir, the field where you planted that good seed is full of weeds. An enemy has done it, the farmer exclaimed. Shall we pull out the weeds, they asked? He replied, No, you'll hurt the wheat if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then I will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds and burn them, and to put the wheat in the barn. Here is another illustration Jesus used. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed planted in a field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but it becomes the largest of garden plants, and grows into a tree where birds can come and find shelter in its branches. Jesus also used this illustration. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast used by a woman making bread. Even though she used a large amount of flour, the yeast permeated every part of the dough. Jesus always used stories and illustrations like these when speaking to the crowds. In fact, he never spoke to them without using such parables. This fulfilled the prophecy that said, I will speak to you in parables. I will explain mysteries hidden since the creation of the world. Then, leaving the crowds outside, Jesus went into the house. His disciples said, Please explain the story of the weeds in the field. All right, he said, I, the son of man, am the farmer who plants the good seed. The field is the world, and the good seed represents the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people who belong to the evil one. The enemy who planted the weeds among the wheat is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the harvesters are the angels. Just as weeds are separated out and burned, so it will be at the end of the world. I, the Son of Man, will send my angels, and they will remove from my kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil, and they will throw them into the furnace and burn them. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the godly will shine like the sun in their Father's kingdom. Anyone who is willing to hear should listen and understand. 
The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field and to get the treasure, too. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that is thrown into the water and gathers fish of every kind. When the net is full, they drag it up into the shore, sit down, sort the good fish into crates, and throw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the godly, throwing the wicked into the fire. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand? Yes, they said, we do. Then he added, Every teacher of religious law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like a person who brings out of the storehouse the new teachings as well as the old. When Jesus had finished telling these stories, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogue, everyone was astonished and said, Where does he get his wisdom and his miracles? He's just a carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. What makes him so great? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. Then Jesus told them, A prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his own family. And so he did only a few miracles there because of their unbelief. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 14. When Herod Antipas heard about Jesus, he said to his advisors, This must be John the Baptist come back to life again. That is why he can do such miracles. For Herod had arrested and imprisoned John as a favor to his wife Herodias, the former wife of Herod's brother Philip. John kept telling Herod, It is illegal for you to marry her. Herod would have executed John, but he was afraid of a riot, because all the people believed John was a prophet. But at a birthday party for Herod, Herodias' daughter performed a dance that greatly pleased him, so he promised with an oath to give her anything she wanted. At her mother's urging, the girl asked, I want the head of John the Baptist on a tray. The king was sorry, but because of his oath and because he didn't want to back down in front of his guests, he issued the necessary orders. So John was beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a tray and given to the girl who took it to her mother. John's disciples came for his body and buried it. Then they told Jesus what had happened. As soon as Jesus heard the news, he went off by himself in a boat to a remote area to be alone. But the crowds heard where he was headed and followed by land from many villages. A vast crowd was there as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. That evening the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and it is getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus replied, That isn't necessary. You feed them. Impossible, they exclaimed. We have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. And he took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven, and asked God's blessing on the food. Breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave some of the bread and fish to each disciple, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate as much as they wanted, and they picked up twelve baskets of leftovers. About five thousand men had eaten from those five loaves, in addition to all the women and children. Immediately after this, Jesus made his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Afterward, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. 
Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him, they screamed in terror, thinking he was a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. It's all right, he said. I am here. Don't be afraid. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you by walking on water. All right, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he looked around at the high waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Instantly, Jesus reached out his hand and grabbed him. You don't have much faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. The news of their arrival spread quickly throughout the whole surrounding area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. The sick begged him to let them touch even the fringe of his robe, and all who touched it were healed. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 15 Some Pharisees and teachers of religious law now arrived from Jerusalem to interview Jesus. Why do your disciples disobey our age-old traditions, they demanded. They ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? For instance, God says, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who speaks evil of father or mother must be put to death. But you say you don't need to honor your parents by caring for their needs if you give the money to God instead. And so, by your own tradition, you nullify the direct command of God. You hypocrites! Isaiah was prophesying about you when he said, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce, for they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. Then Jesus called to the crowds and said, Listen to what I say and try to understand. You are not defiled by what you eat. You are defiled by what you say and do. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you said? Jesus replied, Every plant not planted by my heavenly Father will be rooted up, so ignore them. They are blind guides, leading the blind. And if one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter asked Jesus, Explain what you meant when you said people aren't defiled by what they eat. Don't you understand, Jesus asked him, Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes out of the body. But evil words come from an evil heart and defile the person who says them. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all other sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands could never defile you and make you unacceptable to God. Jesus then left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter has a demon in her, and it is severely tormenting her. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to leave, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. Then he said to the woman, I was sent only to help the people of Israel, God's lost sheep, not the Gentiles. But she came and worshipped him and pleaded again, Lord, help me. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs, he said. Yes, Lord, she replied. But even dogs are permitted to eat crumbs that fall beneath their master's table. Woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. 
and her daughter was instantly healed. Jesus returned to the Sea of Galilee and climbed a hill and sat down. A vast crowd brought him the lame, blind, crippled, mute, and many others with physical difficulties. And they laid them before Jesus, and he healed them all. The crowd was amazed. Those who hadn't been able to speak were talking. The crippled were made well, the lame were walking around, and those who had been blind could see again. And they praised the God of Israel. Then Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry, or they will faint along the road. The disciples replied, And where would we get enough food out here in the wilderness for all of them to eat? Jesus asked, How many loaves of bread do you have? They replied, Seven, and a few small fish. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves and the fish, thanked God for them, broke them into pieces, and gave them to the disciples who distributed the food to the crowd. They all ate until they were full. And when the scraps were picked up, there were seven large baskets of food left over. There were 4,000 men who were fed that day, in addition to all the women and children. Then Jesus sent the people home, and he got into a boat and crossed over to the region of Magadan. End of reading, Matthew 13, 1 through 15, 39. To the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. Tonight's reading from the Gospel of Matthew, very interesting portion of Scripture. The feeding of the 5,000 and the 4,000, one done among Jewish people and one in a Gentile area on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Each of them have a great lessons in and of themselves, and of course, there is meaning to why he did those among those particular peoples as well. Jesus walked and lived and carried out his ministry under the guidance and leadership of God the Father as he was led along by the Spirit of God. Jesus was filled with the Spirit. He walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by the Spirit. He went through every experience of humanity. He was fully and entirely human. Every experience a human being has Jesus went through it. From the time he was a fertilized egg on the wall of his mother's womb, Mary, his mother, to the time he breathed his last on the Calvary's cross, he lived fully, entirely as a human being, as a perfect human being in the sense that he walked in utter and total submission to and abandonment to the will of the Father. He walked by faith every single day. The things he taught, the miracles he did, he did not do any of them of his own power, of his own strength. He did them under the power and the influence and the enlightenment and the teaching and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. By faith, he simply walked along each day by faith, receiving the people that came across his path and the experiences that came to him as from the hand of God, and he reacted, responded obediently to them. Even though many of them brought him difficulty and heartache and problems, he simply walked through them by faith, just as you and I must do. How we admire the man Jesus in his walk of faith. Now, Jesus, as I mentioned before, was a problem for Mary and Joseph. He was a problem for the people of Nazareth. 
Notice that his neighbors there in Nazareth did not recognize him as the Messiah. They knew his brothers and they knew his sisters and his mother and father Joseph and Mary. It seems that Joseph may have died earlier. He may have been older, but they knew his family and they just refused to acknowledge him. And he was a problem for the people of Israel. As they heard him teach and preach and watched his miracles, each of them had to ponder and go away thinking, who is this? Could this be the Messiah? Is this the one? And of course, they had the scriptures. They had the Bible that told them all of those passages, all of those prophecies about the Messiah, what he would be like, where he would be born, the kind of life he would live. They knew about him, and many did recognize him, those whose hearts were tender and open, as we saw in the parable of the four soils. There was that fertile soil that was responsive, and because they opened themselves up to God's truth, they were able to bear much fruit for the Lord. How about you? Is your heart toward God open? Is your heart tender? Are you able to receive from God? Are you teachable? That is a key element for those of us who would know God and live fruitful lives for him. Yeah, Jesus was a problem. He was a problem for John the Baptist. The other night, as we read together in our last program, we saw that John the Baptist had his doubts. Toward the end, he had to know, are you really the Messiah? What did Jesus do? Did he say, what do you mean? Yeah, of course I'm the Messiah. No, he pointed to the evidence. He pointed to the miracles, the healings, and the blind sea, and the lame walk. He pointed to them and he pointed to the scriptures because John the Baptist knew what the Bible said about the Messiah, that there would be healing in his hands, that he would be one who would bring sight to the blind and healing to the lame and to the hurting and to the downtrodden. And so Jesus pointed to the evidence, the biblical prophecies being fulfilled in his life. John the Baptist here tonight is killed because of his faith, because of the wickedness of men. The religious leaders from the high priest on down, Nicodemus and others, they had a problem with Jesus too. They had to figure out who he was and what level of priority to give him. Not just another leader, but the Messiah the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, and the fishing net. We don't just acknowledge Jesus as another teacher. Oh, he was a good man, a religious guy. He was the Messiah come to bring us redemption and salvation. Nothing less than that. And when we see him in that light, we will give everything we have to know him. Jesus was a problem for everyone who met him. They had to decide, what will I do? with this Jesus. Is he who he claims to be? Is he indeed God's solution to the problem of man's sin? Uh, is he a problem for you tonight? Do you wonder at him? Are you lonely? Are you brokenhearted? Maybe you're burdened down with guilt and regrets about some past actions, or maybe you're overwhelmed with life's challenges of health and finding a job and work and finances or relationships, broken marriage or children. Maybe you lack significance in your life, or perhaps the fear of death and eternity looms before you. Lay your burden down at the feet of Jesus the Messiah. Come to Him in prayer. Talk to God. Surrender your heart to Him and receive by faith His grace, forgiveness, and salvation. The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888. 
San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today and in one year's time we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.